boys, don't you fight over who's playing what record. You just let take turns. Each one of you plays his own record, and then we'll be very happy. Today, Perthy is dedicating his poetry to Miss Edith Adams. My collection from today's poems and leaf stories will be dedicated to Edith Adams, our vocalist, who is home ill with a very sore throat. So, Edith, if I may dedicate our poem to you. Oh, you are ill today, our dear Edith Adams. The highways are empty in grief from the concrete to the macadams. And in place of your melodious vocals scheduled for today, we have the nasal substitution of Andrew McKay. Oh, tis a shame for a girl of your vim to lie abed victim of a doctor's whim. You should be outdoors vigorously playing girl hockey instead of playing host to a throat full of streptococci. Beware of thy physician, for oft is his whimsy to diagnose your condition as far-advanced quinsy. It is a physician's resort, an act of sedition, that he suffers from a dry scalpel condition. When I was young, mother had her problem too with me, I had your shortcomings and allergies, you see. Penicillin and the like give you hives and the blotch. Take my mother's prescription, a fifth of good scotch. So rest well this weekend, and thick or not Monday, you'll come back to us after resting on Sunday. Now the treat, you may sing off key and wear your dark blinkers. And hat rack will accompany you with a background of clinker. Thank you. Thank you, dear friend, and good luck to you, Edith, from all of us here on the show. Hoping you feel better and get well so soon. See you Monday. Just remember, it's Percy Dovetonsel saying, I'll see you just outside the bookend. Welcome to Mondo Hollywood. My name is Amanda Safanik, and we started off the show with a poem for Edith Adams by Ernie Kovacs as his poet laureate character, Percy Dev Tonsils. And today I'm joined by a very special guest whose mom was the subject of that poem. Josh Mills is the son of singer and actress Edie Adams and celebrity photographer Martin Mills. He's currently a music publicist and manager based out of Los Angeles, but he also manages the estates of both his mom and dad, as well as Edie's for his husband, legendary groundbreaking comedian Ernie Kovacs. He's also the host of Rarefied Air, a podcast that delves into the lives of other children and celebrities. Because as he puts it, who better to talk to a child of a celebrity than another child of a celebrity? We had a lot of fun talking about old Hollywood, and I'll be posting a longer episode of our chat on the Mondo Hollywood Podomatic page. For more details, be sure to watch the Mondo Hollywood Radio Facebook and Instagram pages. But for now, let's welcome Josh Mills to the show. Thank you. Hi. And I really am a fan of your podcast. I started following you on Instagram or something like that. But that's kind of how we connected, just because I'm a fan of obviously your mom is amazing talent. You sent me this crazy beautiful package of not only her uh, uh, rare CDs and records, Ernie Kovacs records, 
And I'm just so excited to play it for everybody here in Winnipeg and whoever listens to the show that, um, because a lot of this music is so great and not many people get to know about it. Yeah. One of the things, you know, if you're, if you're the child of a celebrity, that's not a Frank Sinatra or a Dean Martin or something like that, you know, I think people's headspace isn't really in, you know, it's very much in the present. It's not really much so much in the past. So I really make an effort to try to make sure that my mom's name is not forgotten and Ernie Kovacs name is not forgotten. And even my dad, Martin Mills, who was a photographer who, you know, not a, a name that everybody knows, but, you know, we have about 5,000 images up at Getty Images. So he, he shot a lot, too, a lot of celebrity and sports. So I, I do my part. And actually, I didn't even know that I accidentally found a photo that your dad took because I'm a big fan of Jack Lemmon. And he took a picture, uh, speaking of sports, of Jack Lemmon playing golf that I saw and just loved. Um, yeah, I, I once I started the podcast, uh, I was kind of checking out who was liking stuff or who was listening because you just never know. And I looked at your, your Instagram and I just kept thinking like, wow, wait, that's my dad's photo. And wait, that's an Edie Adams thing. And that's a what? And I kind of thought like, who is this person? So that's how we <laughs> how we connected. And, and I wanted to make sure that you got the the full Edie and Ernie package in the mail because uh, nobody, I think, would appreciate it as much as you. And and honestly, I had full intentions of doing a show dedicated to both of them. But just because like Edie's talent is just so great. And obviously like she sang Broadway and also she was a comedian and uh, maybe you could talk about this 1959 album uh, that she put out too with a little bit of Ernie's help. And it was called like Edie Adams Sings and then like a question mark. Yeah. So Ernie and Edie, if you don't know, they were a, uh, they were on the last Lucy and, and Desi uh, show ever. And they were a comedy team, not in the sense of like a Burns and Allen or Cheech and Chong or anything like that, but they were married and they definitely shared uh, sensibilities. And one of them was offbeat music, really strange stuff. So they thought it would be a funny idea to make a record called Edie Adams Sings and sort of play off the fact that my mom was, yes, I'll, I'll say she was a sex symbol and play up the humor in it. So they literally hired Henry Mancini, who is the conductor arranger. And the backing band is this band called Clancy's Clowns, who were sort of Hollywood guys that, you know, played on every a million records. And they played these songs that if you look at it, if you look at the album cover and you hear it on just, you know, in the background, you wouldn't know it was a joke. But if you start paying attention, you start realizing that it's really silly and it's very underplayed and they thought it just would be really funny if they actually made a comedy record that nobody knew about. I'm singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling. I'm happy again. Laughing at clouds. Dark up above, the sun's in my heart, and I'm ready for love. Let the stormy clouds chase everyone from the place. Come on with the rain, I have a smile on my face. I'll walk down the lane with a half, half, happy refrain, <laughs> singing. 
watching her movies again and so like in like we can talk about like the apartment I mean she's a small part in that but so like at that time in 1960 that album came out and then she did the apartment like what was she like was she more into acting or singing I think that that at that point you know when they met my mom was a quote-unquote girl singer and she was on the Jack Parr show uh, and the boy singer was Merv Griffin. So she started off in television very early. She was Arthur Godfrey's talent scouts and she didn't win, but she sang a song that that actually got her a gig in Toronto, I think, or Montreal. It might have been Montreal. And she met Ernie because she was on Arthur Godfrey's talent scouts. There was uh, she she moved to, to Philadelphia uh, to be on the show. They fell in love after a bit of time. So she was really a. She, you know, she went to Juilliard, first of all. So she was classically trained. I mean, she took acoustics of the theater and these ridiculous classes. And she was just a singer, but you had to take that in order to, to graduate. So, you know, here's Ernie, who's a complete madman and Trenton-born, crazy Hungarian guy. And she's this very sort of white-bred Pennsylvania Dutch girl. And they kind of combined all that. But, you know, Ernie's irreverence and my mom's sort of rigid upbringing were a, they were it wasn't a problem at all but my mom really had to learn what it was like to live a life because she really had to live a very reserved life prior to that so i think the comedy kind of came out of you know ernie showing her like yeah you can do anything you know it's just it's just a matter of you wanting to do it so that was partially i think where it came from <laughs>
before you did mention um, the I Love Lucy show, like both Edie and Ernie were on the very last episode and I'm good. We're yeah. going to be hearing her. It's like, it's such a beautiful version of that's all she sings on there. I also heard that that set was not pleasant to be on. Was that, did she ever talk to you about that? Oh yeah. There's a, there's a couple of funny stories about that. The first thing is that my mom didn't realize that, Desi and Lucy were officially broken up and they were only fulfilling their contractual obligation to give them the last show. So the set was completely tension filled to the point of, you know, would you tell Miss Ball to move three paces to the left? And would you tell Mr. Arnez to move three you know, paces to his right? So he gets out of my eye line. Um, they couldn't even talk to each other. And my mom essentially my mom was very independent. Even when she she was hired by someone else, she wanted to do her own hair and makeup. She wanted to bring in her own song. She didn't want to sing anything that anybody else gave her. So she came in with uh, her hair done and her this song called That's All. And it's become this weird little curio that people really love this song. She never recorded it officially, but it was on the last episode. And it was totally tension-filled. But when my mom finished singing the song, you'll hear it, it's a sad song. And she looked over and everybody in the crew was crying. And she thought, wow, I did great. Like, I was so good, <laughs> you know? And they real. And then she found out later that Lucy and Desi were breaking up and it really fit the moment. So it just kind of, in a weird way, hit, hit everybody at the same time. All right, Ethel. I can only give you love that lasts forever. And the promise to be near each time you call And the only heart I own for you and you alone That's all, that's all I can only give you country walks in springtime and a hand to hold when leaves begin to fall And a love whose burning light will warm the winter night That's all, that's all There are those, I am sure, who have told you They would give you the world all I have are these arms to enfold you And a love time can never destroy If you're wondering what I'm asking in be glad to know that my demands are small. Say it's me that you adore for now and evermore. That's all. That's all. I I love 
Oh, kind of jumping around here. So how did um, how your mom end up in like 1953 doing Wonderful Town on Broadway? My mom really wanted to uh, she thought Broadway was the the height of stuff. She eventually did an opera. She did do uh, La Paracole in Seattle in the 70s, but she started on Broadway and George Abbott, a famous Broadway producer, uh, cast her and Rosalind Russell was the co-star. So my mom was on Ernie's show and she basically thought, you know, what do I do here? And she really went for the artistic side. And that was when she did uh, uh, Wonderful Town with Rosalind Russell. So it was a really big deal. She was an ingenue. She was pretty young. I mean, she was only in her mid 20s, I think. And it was a it was a pretty big hit. It ran for I don't know, 400, 500 performances. And now here is your master of ceremonies, the popular New York columnist, Mr. Broadway himself, Danton Walker. Thank you, George Hicks, and welcome to Broadway in Review. The delightful young singing discovery from wonderful town, Miss Edith Adams, will grace our musical session as guest star today. Even if you are lucky enough to have tickets to Wonderful Town tonight on Broadway, you couldn't hear these two songs from that hit musical song any more beautifully than you will right now. The reason? Our glamorous guest star, Edith Adams, who sings them now as she does nightly on stage, It's Love and Ohio.
That was terrific, Edith, and I especially liked your two-voiced rendition of Ohio. <laughs> Thanks, Stanton. That's nice to hear. You're a young lady who's nice to hear and see, Edith. <laughs> I understand that your beautiful blonde hair, your youthful vitality, and your bathing beauty figure had a lot to do with your winning the coveted role in Wonderful Town. <laughs> well, that and a streak of luck didn't hurt a bit either. Uh, I guess no girl ever felt quite as thrilled as I did when I heard I was really going to play Eileen in the musical comedy version of my sister Eileen. Well, yours is really the fulfillment of every stage-struck young girl's dream. Imagine being starred with Rosalind Russell in Broadway's biggest musical hit on your first try at cracking the legitimate theater. Well, it certainly was the farthest thing away from my dreams, I can assure you. I had wanted to sing on the stage for about as far back as I can remember, but as a coloratura soprano. In fact, I even studied singing at Juilliard in New York for about five years toward that goal. But I never dreamt I would find myself in television instead, and then in a Broadway musical. Then television brought you to the stage, huh? Yes, I'd been singing in Philadelphia on a local TV program when I was signed to do a daily television show in New York. It was there that I was seen and suggested for the role of Eileen. Well, I'd say the switch was everybody's gain, Edith. And if you'll apply your coloratura training to a pop version of It's Wonderful right now, we'll all be delighted. Don't mind telling you In my humble fashion that you thrill me through with a tender passion when you said you care imagine my emotion i swore then and there permanent devotion you made all other boys seem blind just you alone Thank you, Edith Adams, for taking time out to visit us. It was my privilege to sing on Broadway in Review. But then she actually did win a Tony Award for uh, the, the Little Abner uh, Broadway show. Yeah, she played Daisy May. She was the original Daisy May, and she won a Tony Award. And my mom's joke was that, you know, she basically did nothing except say, I loves you, Abner, I loves you. Um, but she won a Tony, and she was really the toast of Broadway. And there was this weird moment in probably... 56 57 where my mom wins a tony both ernie and my mom are up for um emmy awards which they don't win and ernie is on the cover of life magazine so there was this 18 month period where it just seemed like you know they had every single thing going for them broadway television and sorry by the way i forgot i neglected to mention from the Life magazine cover, Ernie gets his first movie. So now he's in movies and they move out to L.A. eventually. But there's this 18-month period where essentially they are just on a rocket ship, both of them. And everyone, Broadway, television, film, 
knows who they are. So they can go anywhere, do anything, and they're sort of like the the couple. So was that that first film? Was that Operation Madball? Yeah. Um, or around, okay. So and that's yeah. with Jack Lemmon. Is that how they became friends? Yeah, and they made I think four movies together. Three. Uh, they were in the fourth one was called Pepe and they both had little cameos like one day cameos in it. So it doesn't really count. But yeah, they made three movies together. They were great friends. Um, Ernie and Jack were in some ways the Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon that we know. They were kind of like that in the 50s and very early 60s. So um, but the, I mean, the families were super close. My mom and, and Jack's wife, Felicia, got along really well. Felicia Farr, Jack's uh, wife, was a great actress as well. So it just was this crazy time where, you know, they're in New York and they're just living it up. So, yeah. And Jack Lemmon, they made other movies like It Happened to Jane, I think. was, But that was a little bit later. Yeah. Mm hmm. And is it like, is it, I can't remember if I read it somewhere. Did he actually identify his body after the car crash? Yeah, Jack actually did. Uh, when Ernie died in, in January of 62, my mom got a call from the police saying that Ernie had, had died and that they needed to have somebody identify the body. And Jack Lemon was the guy that literally went there on his own and identified Ernie. Oh, that's like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. I just want to say a quick thing about Jack Lemon in general. He's always it's funny because people talk about celebrities and, you know, whether they're speculate on stuff. But Jack Lemon was like the greatest guy. And he really when he was a friend, he was really a friend. And, you know, look, when my sister passed away in, in 1982, my mom asked him to play piano at her funeral. And he did. They were always there for our family. So Jack Lemon really is as great as everybody thinks he he probably was. He was. Uh, and and even too, you wrote the liner notes for the Edie Adams Christmas album. And you mentioned in there that you spent uh, Christmases with uh, the Lemon family. I did. Uh, every year we got um, this a company called Mrs. Beasley sent out these lemon cakes. So every year you got a lemon cake from Jack Lemon. Uh, and then every year on Christmas, we would go to their house. I mean, the first time I ever played Pong was at Jack Lemon's house because they had a Pong table. Um, and it went all the way through into my 20s and, and 30s until he passed away. And it was always a, a crazy time where you'd see people like Jack Guilford or you'd see Don Gordon, who was an actor that was married to Felicia's daughter. Um, Walter Matthau was always there. Uh, it was really a fascinating time, although completely intimidating at the same time. So, like, now I just want to know, did, like, Jack and Walter play Pong together or what? <laughs> <laughs> I bet you they did. Um, <laughs> and then, then they, probably gambled on it. <laughs> well, that would definitely be Walter. That was that was Walter. Jack, Jack, Jack loved golf. Uh, Walter loved to gamble. <laughs> Yeah, that's like so weird that they'd be friends. And I and I can't remember if it was on one of your podcasts. Did Walter Matthau teach you a magic trick? Yeah, he did. It was actually at one of these uh, Christmas gatherings. And I was, I mean, I was such a fan of Walter Matthau because I was a big baseball fan. And I just thought that Bad News Bears was like the greatest film at that age. And he sort of saw me sitting alone and it was a very adult party and he said he just sat down next to me and he was basically said you want to learn a card trick and i said sure 
and he taught me a mind reading card trick how you kind of you know have a a bit of a plant in the audience and they have a, a system of figuring out based on the words that they're saying what card it is and i sat down for like 45 minutes with walter Matthau learning this card trick and i still have the christmas wrapping paper that he wrote down the trick on so i would remember it later wow <laughs> <laughs> that's dork alert sorry no no, that's like oh that's amazing like you need to do that like uh magic check on your podcast or something well i'll tell you something funny he his son charlie math that was there who i knew as well and to show me how well the card trick worked as in the middle of him teaching it to me he just said charlie and he said you know oh tell me the blah 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 and charlie knew the card in a second because he clearly taught him you know as well so it was really it was just like oh it does work cool that's so fun so like after ernie died like he kind of left her in a lot of debt unfortunately and then she wanted to pay it all off by herself like very strange in those times i would think yeah when when ernie i mean ernie did live really well um you know everything was first class and it didn't really matter uh what it cost so when ernie died she realized uh, she used to do this thing where she would say i have wet nails and she'd like because she did her very long nails and she'd say i have wet nails so meaning i didn't look at anything i didn't you know i didn't pick up any papers i didn't you know everyone just sort of like handled things for me but when the rubber hit the road and she realized how much she was in debt which was about half a million dollars in 1962 money she got very serious and she took a course at ucla about accounting and tried to figure some things out and when the irs kind of you know i'm doing my impression here uh doing their you know knocking on the door and saying you know okay we need to come in and assess your estate she got her lawyer to basically say if if you give me time i will pay it all back i can't do it right away but if you give me time i'll pay it back and by the 70s it took her a decade she paid it back 63 was like a crazy looked like a crazy year for her because she had a tv show um a bob hope movie called call me buona and it's a mad 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 world which is one of the best legendary comedies she's and also she's worked with every single comedy like legend of all time yeah. Not only in that movie, but like everywhere, like Milton Berle and yeah. Jonathan Winters. Yeah, I mean, that movie alone with Sid Caesar and, you know, Jim Backus and Dick Sean and, you know, it just goes on and on. But the the funniest thing about my mom is that, you know, while I'm at elementary school, my mom is in Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke. So she's worked with, you know, comedy teams through the 70s. Miss Adams, I can't get you a taxi. Oh? No need to panic. Relaxy-voo. French already. Miss Adams, won't you please take your coat off? I just put it on. There's only one thing left to do. Let's turn the record to the flip side. Just one more tune before you go. Well, just a short one. Do let me freshen up your nightcap. Very strong ice. The papers say it's gonna snow. In June? And you can't walk home in a snowstorm. <laughs> Too bad I haven't got a sleigh. You should with this snow job. I'm sure the music on the flip side will help to pass the time away. 
listen. Sounds like a cab. I think I hear a motor running. That's me, baby. <laughs> I wish it wasn't so late. It's only eight o'clock in Tanganyika. Mm. Humphrey. Call me brother. I think I'd like to take my shoes off. You said it. Those stairs of yours are quite a climb. Was I heavy? You only want to play the flip side because you want to play for time. Believe me, I can't get a taxi on the second floor. The phone is dead. The lines are down. You dig disaster, don't you? Let's hear the music on the flip side. Then we can really go to town. I've got to be home before mother. Miss Adams, please give up the struggle. This thing is much too big to fight. Can you make the weight? I'll turn the record to the flip side. Don't want to listen. Sit here beside me. Oh, well, all right. You got two lips I like to work on. What dreamy music. Turn out the light. Turn out the light? Mm -hmm. How dare you? I'm leaving. Where am I going? This is my apartment. I'm, I'm glad, glad the, the record, record on the flip side has really made us flip tonight. Hey! Hey! Did you see anything? Nothing, not a thing. Are you sure he didn't say something else? Something you've forgotten? Look, he said it would be buried under a big W and that we'd see it. Yeah, well, it's got to be here. Look, I tell you what we do. You go the way we came, yeah. and we'll go the way you came. Well, we might have missed something. Hold it. You go the way we came, and we'll go. That's right. Yeah. Okay, let's go.
But 63 was a big year because she what happened was she knew she could make the money back and pay the IRS back and still keep, you know, her own house going. I mean, she had two kids from Ernie's marriage. She had uh, a daughter with uh, Ernie. So that was a third kid. Then there was also, you know, she just had to keep the house going, pay, pay the bills. So she just whatever it, she didn't care really what it was as long as it paid. So. She did lots of Vegas, lots of nightclub shows. She got money for this this show she did called the Edie Adams Show, which later became Here's Edie. So if there was, you know, <laughs> a five-figure uh, guest starring spot, she did it, and she that's how she paid stuff back. And we're going to hear a clip from uh, one of those Here's Edie episodes, um, actually the first uh, season, episode seven. It's actually really weird because like, even in her monologue, she's like quoting like Eric Fromm. And I had to look it up because I didn't know the reference, but he's like a prominent like German social psychoanalyst. And she's mentioning this in this variety <laughs> show. And it was just, I like the mute, her theme song was beautiful. Yeah. Like, and, and Bobby Darren was a guest, which is, I need to uh, watch this <laughs> and you have this. Is it the entire series on available on DVD? Yeah, we we were able to put out uh, an entire the entire two seasons of uh, the show. And what was interesting was that it was it only it aired essentially every other week with a Sid Caesar show. Ladies and gentlemen, on Sunday night, September 15th, a new television network will be born. The new ABC. Beginning Sunday night, September 15th, you'll see the most exciting week of new programs ever presented on a single network. During that week, you'll see nothing but new shows, and 14 of them will be world premieres of new television series. We'd like you to meet some of the people with whom you'll be spending your evenings this fall. And of course, they'd like to meet you. Hello, I'm Edie Adams. And I'm Sid Caesar. This season, Sid and I are sharing the same time period on ABC. We're each on alternate weeks in a half-hour show featuring music, comedy, and guest stars. And I can't think of anyone I'd rather share a time slot with than Sid Caesar. And I'm very happy to alternate with Edie Adams. I wish she wasn't so pretty. I wish she wasn't so funny. Hmm. Take away her gorgeous hair, her beautiful face, her terrific figure, and what have you got? Sid Caesar. What? Oh, 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 oh I... is one of the funniest men I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, oh, thank you, Edie. And, uh, and Edie is just as talented as she is lovely. Oh, well, that's sweet of you, Sid. Yes. So watch the Sid Caesar show alternating with Edie Adams. Adams show alternating with the Sid Caesar show. It's the Sid Caesar show alternating with the Edie Adams show. No, no, it's the Edie Adams show alternating with the Sid Caesar show. But my mom really, to the point of exhaustion, she did the, if you look in the credits, it says costumes by Enki, and that's her. That's her real last name. And so she was producing it. She didn't direct it, but she produced it. She partially wrote it. She picked all the songs. She worked on getting the guests. I mean, she, and, and the reason we own the show is that she was the producer. We got incredibly lucky with that, but she worked really hard on that. And, and she really, the one of the things my mom, I always, it kind of annoyed me as a kid because I just thought like, you know, get on with it a little bit. But in her act, she, in her Vegas act, she would always do uh, like an operetta. She'd do like a small piece of opera. And she always thought, I need to educate people as well as entertain them. It's not just about this fluff kind of, you know, show business stuff. She really genuinely, in her heart of hearts, believed that, you know, you got to bring good art and good fine art to, to people. So I think that's what you're seeing. <clears throat> Open teaser, take six. You're nobody till somebody loves you. You're nobody. Till somebody cares, you 
king and may possess the world and its gold but gold won't bring you happiness when you're growing old the world still is the same you'll never change it as sure as the stars shine above you're nobody till somebody loves you so find yourself somebody to love as you may have guessed tonight's show is about love Good evening. Webster's Dictionary states that love is a feeling of strong personal attachment induced by that which delights or commands admiration, or by sympathetic understanding, or by ties of kinship. Well, Eric Frum goes even further by breaking it into categories. Motherly love, brotherly love, love of God, self-love, and the love between a man and a woman. Love is many things to many people. It's almost impossible to describe. All we know is that, well, it's never the same. It's constantly changing. Love can be an evil doer. Love can be a lie. Love can make you wait tomorrow and sigh. Love can be a snow-capped mountain. Love can be the truth. Love can be an endless fountain of you.
1964, she married your dad. Like, how did they get together? My dad was a an agent, and he worked for MCA. And Ernie's and my mom's agent was a guy named Marty Cummer, who Ernie writes about in his book called Zoomar, which is about television, as a guy, Marty Comer. So Marty Cummer and Marty Mills, my dad, are good friends. And my dad had met Ernie, and he'd met my mom a couple times because they kind of were in that world. He, he managed Eddie Fisher. He worked with Jerry Vale. He worked with a lot of people. And the exact moment, I don't know how they met, but they essentially knew each other from times past, and they were both in show business. And I don't know. I mean, my, my parents, you know, politically, socially, you know, couldn't have been more alike. And yet, in so many ways, like, it didn't make any sense that they ever got married. They're, they were very different people. But uh, I once asked my mom, I said, like, what, what did you ever see in my dad? I don't get it. Like, you guys are like oil and water. I don't see it. And she just said, we were in love. I thought that was great. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess, like, yeah, you know, we, who knows? And your mom, uh, she passed away in, in 2008. But was, like, was she, pr- like, was there any one thing, movie or, pr- like, uh, project that she was proud of the most? I think she was most happy about her television show because that was really her saying this is, th- the great thing about the show was that the sponsor was a company called Consolidated Cigar Company, and they were, responsible for Muriel Cigars, which my mom is most known for because of her very sexy 1960s commercials. But the relationship with them goes back to Ernie Kovacs with Dutch Masters. So the great thing about Consolidated was they were looking to sell cigars. My mom's show was on ABC. They were a fledgling new network at that time. They just wanted to make sure that they were covering their bases with with cash. So Muriel or Consolidated sponsored the show and ABC said, put on whatever you want. So my mom could literally do whatever she wanted with nobody looking over her shoulders, songs she chose, actors she wanted, comedians, anything. And she really got to express who she was, I think, through that show. And so that's why she got to do the gowns. That's why she got to do because there was nobody interfering with her. No network, no sponsor. Nothing. They just let her do whatever she wanted. So it was great. Here's a smart suggestion from Edie Adams. Try today's new Muriel, a special blend. It's balanced for the light touch and the right taste, my friend. The light touch and the right taste, the blend is sublime. Why don't you pick one up and smoke it sometime? Muriel makes the shape for you that's just your style. Choose the one that suits you best and give it a try. You get the light touch and the right taste. The blend is sublime. Why don't you pick one up and smoke it sometime? Enjoy Muriel Straits, the new slim style cigar with new light taste and full bodied flavor. You get the light touch and the right taste. The blend is sublime. Why don't you pick one up and smoke it sometime? Muriel. And I will say that I am going to, because you very kind gave me a world exclusive track of Ernie Kovacs thing that hasn't been heard since the 50s. So I'll tease it for a future episode, uh, maybe around April, because it'll be April Fool's Day. I associate that with comedy. Um, So stay tuned, fans of Monda Hollywood, because there's going to be some great stuff coming. 
Absolutely. Um, and again, yeah, thank you so much for, for all these cool things. And also too, um, your mom's biography is uh, also kind of interesting. She only goes up to um, Ernie's death. Like your podcast is almost a continuation of the story because you get little tidbits of her life and Ernie's life. Well, it's your experiences too. Well, she wrote that book and the publisher basically said, if we can have it say the Ernie Kovacs years, we'll sell it. So she did that almost because she thought, you know, they would want the Ernie Kovacs years. But somewhere in a computer, which my mom had about seven of them, there is a second uh, book. And I would love to figure out a way to put that out because it's got some craze. I mean, it got Ernie was one thing that's classic Hollywood. And then from like 60 two onward it gets way bizarre and weird and funny and you know stepfathers and stepsisters and all that stuff yeah like I, again i think i could talk to you for like forever um but for now i have to say goodbye and hey thank you so much i am so psyched to be on my favorite uh, radio show and i just am psyched in general and you're great and winnipeg is lucky to have you Oh my gosh, thank you. As you can see, I'm probably blushing because we're on Zoom. And also, <laughs> speaking of Zoom, you have like a background of your uh, grandparents. Is it your grandparents' company, Mills Music? My grandfather was a guy named Jack Mills, and he came, you know, this to America. And you know, I think it was, I think he was born in 1897, born in Russia, came here on a boat, and became one of the biggest music publishers in the world. So he, in 1919, started this company, Jack Mills Music. And then in 1927, he and his brother Irving uh, found Mills Music. And Irving finds Duke Ellington. And they do all the Ellington catalog, is sheet music and publishing. They do uh, Hoagie Carmichael. The biggest song they had was Stardust. So, so it, it's uh, Mills music was a big deal for a while. I know um, the show before mine, uh, Fascinating Rhythm here on UMFM, the host Ray Alexander is going to be loving this part right now because <laughs> he loves like all that Duke Ellington and oh, that, that's a whole other show in itself. <laughs> <laughs> You're just I, a really fascinating person. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, and the weird thing, and this is the, this again is the crux of the podcast is that I didn't do anything. I was just born. I just sort of like, you know, <laughs> came out and was, you know, related to somehow my mom and my dad and, and Ernie Kovacs I'm not related to, but I run his estate. And yeah. So, and another thing that I, I do appreciate because Ernie Kovacs is not a blood relative, but um, you're taking care of this history and preserving it. And uh, like, I do think that future generations will thank you. I, I, I do thank you for doing this. <laughs> And if somebody wants to look you up on social media and find out everything about Edie and Ernie, where should they go? They can check out, you know, erniekovacs.com. Um, they can check out ediadams.com. There's, we're all over social media with that stuff. But we have uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can also, I'm also rarefiedairpodcast.com. That's my thing. But, you know, we'd love you to, to check out more of Ernie and Edie. The whole point of this is to make sure that, you know, some great stuff doesn't uh, go away. And then actually the album, I think it's from 1964. Uh, yeah. On Broadway, which you actually use as your theme song for your podcast. Yeah. Was there a particular reason you chose that song? It's kind of got that there's no business like show business type feel to it. And I sort of felt, you know, my podcast is really about me being a child of a celebrity interviewing a child of a celebrity. And I sort of thought, well, it's got to be an Edie Adams song because that's a connection to to me. And it just seemed like it was such a show business type song that, you know, well, that's going to be the theme. And it's weird because it's like it seems like it was written specifically to be a theme song. <laughs> 
Sparkle. 